Greetings, this is Douglas Gimple, Senior Portfolio Specialist at Diamond Hill Capital Management, and this is Understanding Edge. I'm joined today on the podcast by Heather Brilliant, Chief Executive Officer and President of Diamond Hill. Heather has been a guest on the podcast before and joins today to discuss a variety of topics ranging from her recent one-year anniversary to some of the changes that we've seen and continue to expect to see in the asset management industry. Prior to joining Diamond Hill, Heather was the CEO for the Americas for First State Investments, as well as the CEO for Morningstar Australasia. Heather is very active in the CFA Institute, having served as chair of the board from 2018 to 2019. As we continue to work through these unprecedented times, I ask for your understanding for any sound issues that may arise. And as always, and especially in this holiday season, stay safe and stay healthy. And I hope you enjoy my conversation with Heather Brilliant. Heather, you celebrated your one-year anniversary at Diamond Hill in September on the heels of the 20th anniversary of the entire firm this past June. Uh, I'm not sure you could have picked a stranger time to be transitioning into a new role with the pandemic, altering our way of life uh, and changes occurring at the firm. We definitely want to talk about the firm and the future path forward, but I believe that you know looking back is just as important for setting the stage for the future. So talk about you know, your first year at the firm, how you've handled the variety of changes that you've seen here uh, from the shift to working from home to some of the organizational changes that we've experienced. Thanks, Doug. That's a great question. And I think I'm really excited about where things stand today. But before we talk about that, let's talk a little bit about this last year. First, it's been a really great opportunity for us as a firm to take a step back and think a lot about how we articulate our competitive advantages and the unique things that we can really bring to our clients and to the market. And so we spent a lot of time on that, getting groups of associates together and gathering everybody's ideas about what they would like to see us articulate our cultural values as and our purpose as a business. And so I think that's really helped bring everybody together with a common focus in mind. And second, of course, as you mentioned, we have had to deal with the pandemic, and that has been a very unusual experience, to say the least. Um, While in my tenure in leadership roles, I have encountered a couple of other kind of crisis situations or emergencies, this is certainly the longest lasting of those and the first pandemic that I think any of us in our lifetimes have experienced. And fortunately for Diamond Hill, we were able to pretty seamlessly move to working from home And I think part of that was great planning and having a great um, business continuity plan in place. And part of it was really just having a wonderful group of employees who have been able to really pivot and do their jobs from anywhere while really working hard to stay connected and communicate with each other. So the active asset management industry has been under pressure from a variety of different approaches, whether it's fee compression, passive investing, or, or lower revenue growth. How are you tackling these issues and you know, what are your expectations for the future growth at Diamond Hill? So Diamond Hill is a really unique company in the sense that we are very focused on having capacity discipline across all of our strategies. It guides everything about how we run the firm from how we set our fees to ensuring that we have an ongoing focus on great investment outcomes for our clients. And I do think it is really unique to have this ability to essentially constrain capacity to ensure our existing investors have as strong outcomes as any new investors coming into our capabilities. And frankly, the investment management industry 
is set up in such a way that the incentives in the industry for most players are really to get as big as you can. And the more assets you manage, the more fees you can charge. And I think that actually ends up being one of the biggest challenges that investment managers face in ensuring that they stay focused on great outcomes for their clients. Diamond Hill pushes this to the side by basically putting the putting capacity constraints very explicitly on all our strategies to ensure that when we are making incremental decisions, it is about how to make sure the client is getting a great outcome as opposed to anybody else. And I think that focus has given us the opportunity to really weather what has been a very challenging period for the industry. So Heather, you talked about uh, capacity and how important that is. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is, is the alignment of interest with our clients. Can you expand on that and you know, talk about, you know, one, why that is important uh, and two, you know, the focus that we have on aligning our interest with our clients? Yes, thanks, Doug. So I think there's a couple of things that really underpin why we think um, capacity constraints and alignment are so critical to our decision-making at Diamond Hill. And first is that we really do believe that we need to make sure we are putting client interests first, not only because we believe it's the right thing to do, but also by putting policies and procedures in place to reinforce that every day. There are many incentives in our industry to, um, to put other interests ahead of clients, unfortunately. And you can really see that in the industry's incentive to get bigger. And you know, the more client assets you manage, the more fees you can charge. And that's something that has pervaded our industry for at least 100 years. And unfortunately, that leads to firms making decisions that really help them put growth ahead of their existing clients. And so what we do at Diamond Hill in order to avoid that is first of all, as you mentioned, put capacity constraints on our strategies so that we're very clear from the beginning, this is the size of strategy that we believe we can reasonably manage and uh, continue to provide the outperformance for all of our clients that we have been trying to provide historically as well. The second is to put some policies and procedures in place to reinforce the alignment between clients and associates. We have done a couple of things in that regard. First, none of our employees invest in individual securities. We are all um, really trying to focus on aligning ourselves with investing alongside our clients so that the decisions that we're making on behalf of our clients are the same ones that we would make for ourselves and our own families. And third, I would say also try to make sure when we're thinking about portfolio manager compensation that we're thinking about really long time periods in evaluating the performance that portfolio managers deliver. And the reason for that is it reinforces another advantage of ours, which is to really focus on a truly long time horizon. And so by focusing on five-year performance when we're thinking about portfolio manager compensation, that allows portfolio managers to make the right decisions for the long-term without having to worry too much about uh, whether that is going to implicate one-year bonus by um, making decisions that only affect a shorter time period. And then the other thing I'd say along these lines too is that we really do focus on being truly active. We run concentrated portfolios. Um, you know, that level of concentration obviously depends on the different strategies that we're looking at, but we always try to make sure that when we think about active management that we are agnostic as to um, how other people are running strategies and that we are selecting the securities that we believe will lead to great investment returns for our clients in the long run. 
So Heather, I joined the firm about four years ago. Uh, and in that time, we've seen a lot of changes. You know, we've continued to grow our fixed income team. We've launched our international capabilities. Uh, and the research team has seen its own form of evolution. As we continue to grow and change to adapt to the times, you know, how do you make sure that the team, the firm is focused on what we have talked about already, which is that alignment of client interest in keeping the clients first? Well, thanks for that question, Doug. First of all, over that time period, we have also made meaningful investments in our client team. And part of that is because the relationship we have with our clients and really have forming a long-term partnership with those clients is really critical in our perspective to making sure that we are delivering what our clients are expecting of us and that they have the ability to hold us accountable for that over time. Um, another thing that we did in this year in particular, normally, you know, about one year into my tenure as CEO, I would have loved to be traveling all over the US and meeting with our clients in person. But given the unfortunate um, injection of the pandemic, we really haven't been able to do that, of course. And so what we did instead is we, um, we called more than 100 of our clients directly to really be able to just get their perspective on how they were handling the pandemic and whether there were things we could be doing differently as a firm as we consider you know, where we need to make investments or where we uh, need to focus our time and effort we wanted to really get that perspective directly from clients. And so it was a great opportunity for me to be able to hear directly from them to um, understand the challenges they're facing, pandemic related and otherwise. And I think it's really helped us continue to hone our communication style and um, content with our clients. And it's really enabled us to continue to foster great relationships with them. And the feedback from them was that, you know, what you were doing and reaching out as the CEO and president was was kind of unprecedented, not from Diamond Hill standpoint, which it was obviously, but from their other firms that they were employing. Absolutely. In fact, I had a number of clients tell me that I was the only asset manager CEO who had ever reached out to them. And so it did feel like something that um, really has the opportunity to set us apart. And I think that kind of goes along with one of our core advantages, which is um, to remain smaller and be more nimble in an environment where the bigger getting bigger and the business of asset management is becoming more and more institutional. We really want to maintain that close personal connection with our clients. And I think we, we need to make sure that we remain at a size and kind of level of efficiency that allows us to do that. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that 2020 will go down in history as one of the most difficult years across the globe as a planet has had to deal with the worst pandemic since the Spanish flu of 1918. Hand in hand with the changes to our daily lives due to the pandemic, the issues of diversity, inclusion, and equality have come to the forefront uh, as tragic events across the country have spurred renewed discussion and action regarding these issues. What has been the response at Diamond Hill in tackling these sensitive and challenging issues? So this is a topic that is very meaningful to the associates at Diamond Hill across the board. And so um, over the course of 2020, we published our pledge to ensure our commitment to foster diversity, equity, and inclusion is clear, not only internally, but also externally. And I wanna talk a little bit about that pledge and what it included. I think what's really important to note is that this came out of the initiatives of many of our employees. And in fact, we created an associate-led advisory group to help ensure that our ideas on these topics become actions. 
and more than 30% of our associates from across the firm have volunteered to be part of some aspect of what we're doing around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Our pledge essentially focuses on four primary areas, workforce diversity, inclusion, the industry, and our community. And so I wanted to mention just briefly what we're working on with regard to each of those and some of the progress that we've made. Um, on workforce diversity, you know, we feel very strongly that we have to start by looking internally and making sure that we are doing everything we can to ensure we have a very diverse workforce ourselves. And, um, you know, we have spoken before on different podcasts and um, certainly in the industry as well about the importance of cognitive diversity. And this has long been an area of passion uh, for me personally, as well as for many associates at Diamond Hill. So we established a hiring philosophy to ensure that we consider a diverse pool of candidates for our openings. And we're also changing our internship program to improve our pipeline of diverse talent in early career roles. There's some other things around workforce diversity too that'll be coming in the near future. Um, but just in the interest of time, I'll go on to the next category of inclusion. When we think about inclusion, we are really trying to make sure that as we improve and increase the diversity of our workforce, that we're doing so in a way that um, those ideas and different perspectives that are coming in to our firm are really embraced and um, really help us grow as individuals and as a firm. And so we created a diversity, equity, and inclusion resource group to raise awareness about a variety of topics and foster understanding, as well as to ensure that we are communicating within the firm about all of the different initiatives we're doing and how beneficial they can be for us as we embrace them. On the industry perspective, we are partnering with the National Association of Securities Professionals and Rock the Street Wall Street as a couple of examples uh, of organizations that we think can really powerfully help move the needle as we try to increase diversity across the industry. And we're also working with vendors who embrace our commitment to diversity and inclusion and have added a couple of brokers to our trade rotation to ensure that we are ourselves working more frequently with um, diverse and minority owned vendors. When it comes to community, we pledged a million dollars over five years to organizations that support anti-racism, diversity, and inclusion. And um, we are already starting to look at the ways that we're going to deploy those funds this year and in the coming years to really make sure that we are, we're supporting our community and really helping improve diversity, equity, and inclusion as broadly as we possibly can. So Heather, one of the, one of the very hot topics in the asset management industry is ESG or environmental social governance uh, management and being aware of how you're managing clients' money. Um, so talk to me about how Diamond Hill is thinking about ESG and its approach uh, to that investment process. Thanks, Doug. Well, certainly what we just talked about around diversity, equity, and inclusion factors in in a big way to both the social and governance aspects of ESG. And so that is the area I'd say that we are most focused on this year in particular. But we did also earlier in 2020 publish a sustainability policy, which I would say for us is a, a first step in the right direction to really help clarify for our um, for our employees and our clients in particular, how we have been incorporating ESG and ESG related risks into our long term oriented investment process um, for a long time. And ESG is a really challenging topic because there are many different definitions and I think lots of organizations now are trying to establish standards about how we are going to measure the impact of environmental, social and governance considerations. 
But what we have been doing is trying to really um, take into consideration on a company by company basis, the risks related to these factors that would influence the valuation of the companies that we are investing in. And so for us, that is what feels authentic and what I think um, you know, ESG kind of means to us but we, we are trying to get better and better at articulating exactly how we do incorporate those factors explicitly going forward in the future. Heather, I want to thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Um, are there any parting thoughts that you have as we head into the holiday season? Thanks very much for having me today, Doug. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit more about what a year we have had at Diamond Hill. And I have to say, I couldn't be more optimistic about our future from this point. We have such a great group of associates who are really committed to delivering client outcomes that go above and beyond. And uh, we're also really grateful to our clients for their continued commitment and seeing through this very challenging period in the industry markets and the world by uh, sticking with us and allowing us to really um, take the fiduciary responsibility that we take very seriously to invest their assets. Heather Brilliant, CEO and President of Diamond Hill, I'd like to thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time to join me on the podcast. Stay safe and have a great Thanksgiving holiday. Hope everyone has a wonderful holiday season and thanks again for having me. This material is for informational purposes and is prepared by Diamond Hill Capital Management. The opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and are subject to change. These opinions are not intended to be a forecast of future events, a guarantee of future results, or investment advice. Reliance upon this information is at the sole discretion of the listener. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal.